Hello, everyone. This is Trisha, and I'd like to welcome you to the Aplastic Anemia and MDS International Foundation 35th Anniversary Podcast. As we look back over 35 years of both service to the bone marrow failure community and advances in treating these diseases, we're taking a moment to check in with those who've been on the front lines confronting these diseases. I'd like to introduce Dr. Joaquin Deeg. H. Joaquin Deeg, MD, is a board-certified oncologist at Seattle Cancer Care Alliance, a University of Washington professor of medicine and oncology, and a researcher at Fred Hutchinson Cancer Research Center. Dr. Deeg treats bone marrow failure and blood cancers. His clinical and research interests include myelodysplastic syndromes, aplastic anemia, myelofibrosis, hematopoietic stem cell transplantation, graft-versus-host disease, iron overload, and secondary malignancies. Dr. Deeg is a member of the AAMDSIF Medical Advisory Board. Hello, Dr. Deeg, and thank you for your time today. Hello. Good morning. Uh, So, Dr. Deeg, when you were starting your career... What was the common prognosis, treatment plan, or life expectancy for newly diagnosed MDS and other bone marrow failure disease patients? Well, it was certainly not as good as it is today, although one cannot uh, condense it into one number. Um, And it's certainly different for the different diseases. Uh, There has been a lot of progress with aplastic anemia. The major problem at the time, which is a long time ago, uh, was really rejection of the transplant. When when transplantation was used as the primary approach, of course, in parallel, there was a development of uh, immunosuppressive therapy with ATG in particular, and uh, we still use both uh, modalities. Overall, the results with both approaches have improved considerably. Side effects have been uh, reduced to minimal in most studies. And, um, for example, in uh, pediatric patients, uh, immunosuppression has resulted in long-term survival in recent years in 95 to 100% of patients is not quite as high in adults because the disease responds less well and uh, the complication rate is higher. As far as transplantation is concerned, uh, as I said, the major problem was rejection and then um, because of the failure of the bone marrow, a high rate of infections, uh, etc. Now, currently, we are transplanting patients, certainly from related sibling donors, uh, up to age know, 50, 60 years, um, very successfully with a success rate in the range of um, 85%. And uh, most encouragingly, which was still in, in its infancy when I started my career, in fact, it hadn't happened yet, uh, transplantation from unrelated donors If we do have a well-matched unrelated donor, the success rate is basically the same as it is with a fully uh, HLA-matched sibling donor, meaning in the range of um, 85 to 90%. So there has been a lot of progress. 
in patients with MDS, I'm, the, 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 the tempo of what has been developing has been really impressive over the last 10 to 15 years. Uh, a disease that was sort of obscure on the sidelines has really attracted a lot of attention because of scientific, basic scientific interest uh, related to blood production, which is abnormal in, in these patients, and, and then because of a growing number of treatment uh, options, although the progress has not, or the success rate has not achieved the same uh, level as with aplastic anemia. Uh, nevertheless, um, you know, there are now three FDA-approved drugs in the United States, um, by days uh, decidabine and, and Revlimid for MDS, and uh, a growing number of patients are undergoing transplantation, although overall it's probably only in the range of about 10% of all patients with MDS. The major reason there is that the median age when the diagnosis is made is around 70, even 75 years. And uh, as we all know, as we grow older, other medical issues pop up, and those, you refer to them as comorbid conditions, may um, represent uh, hurdles towards a successful transplant. But still, we, we have transplanted patients now, even in their early 70s, and uh, the success rate has improved very much dependent, however, not only age, but what, is, what the stage is of the disease uh, when we do the transplant. And that's uh, certainly a topic for a you know, more detailed discussion. Wow. Okay. So um, your experience basically has been that the treatments have been galloping along uh, recently uh, with these treatments. Is there any other um, place in your spe in what you are in your interest areas that there has been uh, the similar amount of progress made? For example, iron well, overload or DVHD. Right. Progress has been made uh, on coming from various directions. I mean, um, if we stick with the MDS for the time being, uh, a lot of work has been done on iron overload related to the disease itself and to the need for red blood cell transfusions. Uh, along came agents, uh, newer agents, more easy to administer uh, for iron chelation, and that has been shown to be beneficial and probably improve um, survival, low-risk MDS, who may have a low risk of developing to leukemia, uh, but uh, require transfusion support maybe over years. Um, you know, there's a lot of work going on with looking at the genetic makeup of the disease, uh, MDS, and um, um, there are several uh, compounds now being investigated that, in fact, target uh, specific uh, mutations and are pointing towards novel uh, strategies overall to treat um, MDS. There are agents uh, targeting the famous or infamous TP53 a mutation. There are others looking at the splicer There are again others 
looking at uh, mutations in some enzymes, IDH, uh, for example. So there is a, a lot of development. There is, however, just to be frank, there is no, there has not been a new drug approval for MDS uh, for the past, uh, it's more than 10 years now, 12 years, I think. So um, we are waiting for new drugs coming along. There's one in the pipeline which is close to approval called Luspatercept, which should help with anemia. It's probably not a major one for high-risk disease, um, but certainly for patients who are transfusion-dependent. Um, that should be available soon, we think. In patients with myelofibrosis, just for completeness, let me mention that um, there has been a lot of development as well, particularly in the form of the so-called JAK2 inhibitors, uh, JAK2 being mutated in many of these patients, and um, the JAK2 inhibitor apparently interferes with a negative effect of the mutation, thereby improving significantly the quality of life of, of patients with these diseases, and probably for a subgroup of patients, uh, prolonging life uh, considerably without transplantation. But transplantation is for this disease is still uh, for, for MDS and uh, myeloproliferative disease, myelofibrosis, the, uh, currently at least the only treatment that has been shown to have the potential to cure those uh, disorders. Uh, thank you. That's really that's really interesting and exciting with the with the JAK2 inhibitors. Um, my last question for you today is. What's the message you would like for newly diagnosed marrow failure disease patients to understand? If they have one of these um, serious marrow failure diseases, what's the one thing you'd like for them to know and carry with them as they start into uh, treatment? Right. Yeah. Well, I think the first uh, and most important question is really, what is my diagnosis? Uh, do I have a plastic anemia or do I have a hypoplastic MDS? Uh, or do I have classical MDS or do I have an overlap with a myeloproliferative disease? Uh, and that is not uncommon because the treatment strategies uh, would differ. Furthermore, within particularly within MDS, we know this is not a single disease, but a very a, a, a collection, a spectrum of very uh, heterogeneous diseases from a, a, a type of disease presenting with anemia only, and those patients may have a life expectancy without significant treatment of more than a decade to patients who present with high-risk disease uh, whose disease may progress very quickly uh, within a year or so. So to, for, to have the right di diagnosis, to be probably to be seen by uh, an expert because many of uh, community uh, practicing colleagues do not see many of these patients. Uh, the, the diseases are not that frequent. They are rare, in fact. So to have at least an opinion um, provided by someone uh, who is dedicated to this type of disease and then take it from there. So just to repeat, I, I think knowing your diagnosis 
and what is important within your, the numbers that the laboratory will give you uh, in order to plan ahead, know about your prognosis and uh, what the options for treatment uh, are. Well, thank you for sharing your wisdom and insight. And thanks to all of You're our listeners. Thank you so much, Dr. Deeg. And thank you for all the listeners, for you for joining us on this segment. There's more to come, which you can find on aamds.org with all of our podcast recordings. Until next time, bye-bye.